Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit. Bullshit is rampant. Total fucking bullshit. B -b bullshit. This makes no fucking sense. I mean, it's just bullshit. Fuck. B -b bullshit. This is bullshit. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Welcome back, Papa Bear, to uh, Bullshit Fill hey. the News. My name's Cameron Riley. Uh, with me, as always, is Ray Harris. Uh, what's going mm -hmm. on, Bubble Boy? I'm just ready to pull back the curtains and show humanity and the power behind it for what it is and, and <clears throat> try to have a laugh along the way. That's that's what we do. <laughs> well, uh, I would like to uh, welcome you to day 695 of mm -hmm. the uh, year of our Trump. 695 days uh, yeah. he has been president slash overlord slash Fuhrer of your country. Slash entertainer, right, right. <laughs> And uh, news came out uh, over the last couple of days. Uh, yeah. Allegations, maybe allegations. Let's call them allegations. Sure. That he's a speed freak. Donald Trump is a speed freak. <laughs> I'm sure everyone who's paying attention has seen this. Um, there's, a, there's a guy called Noel Kassler. He's a stand-up comic, but he used to be a staffer on The Apprentice for six seasons, he says. Now, uh, apparently he's this is, this is credible. Uh, there are a lot of people who have come out who know this guy. Kathy Griffin, think what you might about Kathy Griffin, but she's coming out and going, oh, yeah, I know, I've known this guy for years. He really did work there. This guy on Twitter, uh, people were like, you really worked there? And he posted, like, backstage photos of it and that kind of stuff. So he seems credible. Um, and uh, he says Donald Trump's a speed freak. Um, and I don't mean he likes to drive fast cars. Uh, let me let me let me play this uh, clip of Noel Kassler uh, talking about this. I work in live television. I've done that for the last twenty years. I work in TV production in the talent departments, taking care of all the performers. It's kind of like herding cats. If cats had publicists and massive egos, I did six seasons of the Celebrity Apprentice finale. Oh yeah, you can see where this is going. <laughs> My job was taking care of the Trump family, too. Yeah, Don Jr., Amarosa, Melania. It was like a freaking Mensa meeting every day. I worked on a bunch of those beauty pageants he had in the 90s, too. That was a good idea. Miss Teen Universe? Yeah, that's like giving Jeffrey Dahmer a cooking show. Yeah, you got that one. Took a minute, but yeah, yeah. He would line up the girls on the side of the stage and he would inspect them, literally. He'd stick his little freaking doll fingers in their mouth and look at their teeth. So not a kidding. This is true. He'd line them up like they're pieces of meat. He'd be like, you, you, and you. If you want to win, I'm in the penthouse suite. Come and see me. Yep. If Trump had a cooking show, they'd call it the douchebag diet. McDonald's, chocolate ice cream, and girls that look like Ivanka are all he ever eats. I really like you guys now. That's my favorite joke. I'm going to tell you one more thing. I don't usually tell. I'll tell you two more things. 
Sometimes you're being so nice to me. He's a speed freak. He crushes up his uh, Adderall and he sniffs it because he can't read, so he gets really nervous when he has to read cue cards. I'm not kidding, this is true. I had a 24-page NDA, non-disclosure agreement. I didn't know then he was becoming president. Now it's, no way, dumbass, I'm telling you everything I know. <laughs> so he gets nervous and he crushes up these pills. That's why he's sniffing when you see him in debates and when you see him reading. That's why he's tweeting, you know, it's like he's out of his mind. It makes sense if you think about it. Methamphetamine was invented by the Nazis to keep the fighter pilots up all night on bombing runs. Right? So it makes sense that Trump would use it to hate tweet and a self-centered rage at 4 a.m. on the toilet. Right. I'm going to leave you with this. My favorite thing so far in the Trump era is when James Comey had to go to the White House and tell him about this dossier and the existence of a videotape of Trump taking a couple of showers with some Russian working girls. And it was Trump, right? So of course they had to be golden. All right, take a second. Trump says to Comey, do I look like the kind of guy that needs to pay for prostitutes? Yeah. Yeah, you look exactly like that kind of guy. You actually look more like that kind of guy than anyone who's ever lived. They're actually changing the nickname for guys like that from Johns to Dons. You guys have been great. Thank you. <laughs> Damn, he was just firing them in there, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So Kassler, uh, that, that routine was from the 1st of December 2018. He posted that video up to YouTube on December 12th, so about, mm -hmm. a, about a week ago. Now, so the claim here, apart from the fact that Trump's a douchebag, is that at least uh, when Kassler was working behind the scenes on Celebrity Apprentice, I don't know exactly when that was, uh, I have no idea when Celebrity Apprentice was even yeah. on the even on the air. Do you know when? No, no idea. Uh, uh, you know, I'm quickly googling. Uh, I'm How guessing. Long did it last? Uh, I'm, I got fucking no idea, man. Like I don't like I like I would pay attention to that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't You're know. Boyard. Yeah. Anywho, yeah. never. I, I, I swear to God, never seen a single minute of mm -hmm. The Apprentice, The Celebrity Apprentice, uh, anything like that. Ne never seen a single fucking minute of it because I value my brain cells too much <laughs> to, watch, to, right. <laughs> to watch anything that, like that. But uh, Ranford had 90 episodes of The Celebrity Apprentice. Like, fuck, I don't know. I don't know. The Apprentice TV series ran for uh, nine seasons. Celebrity Really? Sorry, oh, shit. Yeah. And Schwarzenegger did it for some. Trump did it uh, from 2008 to 2015, Celebrity Apprentice. Um, right. So, anyway, so this guy, you know, this is only a couple of years old, I guess. Yeah. What we're getting at here. Um, so he's claiming that uh, at least then, Trump, oh, shit, Trump hosted The Apprentice for 14 seasons. Wow. Jesus Christ. How did... People watch that shit Why? for 14 years? What the... F what, <laughs> is, what is wrong with you people? What the actual fuck? Mm. Right. Anyway, um, so Adderall. Now, yeah. um, uh, I, I don't know what Adderall is. I don't think we have it here. I think it's an American thing, but I looked it up. Uh, right. Apparently, it's used in the treatment of ADD and narcolepsy, and it's a, it's basically an amphetamine. Right. Uh, it's basically meth. 
like as he said, the Nazis used and Hitler, right? So we we now believe that Hitler was addicted yeah. to meth during World War Two. Yeah. Now I looked up the I looked up the side effects of Adderall, uh, particularly snorting Adderall, um, okay. according to uh, some of the drugabuse.com sites that I looked at. Snorting Adderall can cause serious health problems, including high body temperature, heart problems, seizures, aggression, paranoia, <laughs> psychosis. <laughs> now, you know, since check, check. since Trump became president. I've uh, on a number of occasions I've gone back and looked at old old Trump interviews from the eighties and nineties. Um, let me let me pull up uh, some of those while I think of it. I've gone back and I looked at these things and I've you know I've played them for Chrissy and I've said you know you go back and look at Trump in the eighties and nineties. I mean he was a douchebag, but he wasn't wasn't completely fucking crazy. Right, he didn't right. seem crazy, like you know, a rich douchebag, you know, daddy's boy, blah 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 yeah, blah yeah. blah. Like, here, like here's a clip of him on Oprah Winfrey in 1988. You took out a full page ad in uh, major U.S. newspapers uh, last year, criticizing U.S. foreign policy. What would you do differently, Donald? I'd make our allies, forgetting about the enemies, the enemies you can't talk to so easily. I'd make our allies pay their fair share. We're a debtor nation. Something's going to happen over the next number of years with this country because you can't keep going on losing $200 billion, and yet we, we let Japan come in and dump everything right into our markets and everything. It's not free trade. If you ever go to Japan right now and try to sell something, forget about it, Oprah. Just forget about it. It's almost impossible. They don't have laws against it. They just make it impossible. They come over here, they sell their cars, their VCRs, they knock the hell out of our companies. And, hey, I have tremendous respect for the Japanese people. I mean, you can respect somebody that's beating the hell out of you, but they are beating the hell out of this country. Kuwait, they live like kings. The poorest person in Kuwait, they live like kings. And yet they're not paying. We make it possible for them to sell their oil. Why aren't they paying us 25% of what they're making? It's a joke. This, this sounds like political presidential talk to me, and I know people have talked to you about whether or not you want to run. Would you, would you ever? Probably not, but I, I do get tired of seeing the country ripped Why off. would you not? I just don't think I really have the inclination to do it. I love what I'm doing. I really like it. Also, I, it doesn't pay as well. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but, you know, I just probably wouldn't do it, Oprah. I probably wouldn't, but I do get tired of seeing what's happening with this country. And if it got so bad, I would never want to rule it out totally because I really am tired of seeing what's happening with this country, how we're how we're really making other people live like kings, and we're not. What do, what do you think of this year's presidential race, the way it's shaping up? Well, it's going to be very interesting. I, I think... Uh, I think that probably George Bush has an advantage in terms of the election. I think that probably people would say that he's got like that little edge in terms of the incumbency, et cetera, et cetera. But I think Jesse Jackson's done himself very proud. I think Michael Dukakis has done one hell of a job. And George Bush has done a hell of a job. You know, he, they all went in there sort of as semi-underdogs, including George Bush, and they've all come out. Uh, I think people that are around all three of those candidates can be very proud of the jobs they've done. You've said, though, that if you did run for president, you believe you'd win. Well, I don't know. I think I'd win. I tell you what, I wouldn't go in to lose. I've never gone in to lose in my life. And, and if I did decide to do it, I think I'd be inclined. I, w I would say that I would have a hell of a chance of winning because I think people, I don't know how your audience feels, but I think people are tired of seeing the United States ripped off. And I can't promise you everything, but I can tell you one thing. This country would make one hell of a lot of money from those people that for 25 years have taken advantage. It wouldn't be the way it's been. Believe me. 30 years ago. Now. Wow. <clears throat> Now, his rhetoric hasn't changed a great deal. Right. Um, but he sounds more like Ozzy Osbourne. 
<laughs> what? On a bad day. No, is it, you know, in, you know. Oh, now I mean, he, listen, you mean now he does. Yeah, now, now. Oh, right. Yeah, then, that, back then, that was fucking poetry compared to the way he sounds now. <laughs> yeah, look, okay, he's 30 years older. He's in his 70s as opposed to in his okay. 40s. But yeah. now he comes across like a, like a crazy person. Like then right. his rhetoric was exactly the same, but he was, he was you know, even Tall, you know, he wasn't yelling and screaming and ranting. And, and now, obviously, he's not on a campaign stage either. He's in a TV studio being interviewed yeah. by Oprah. But he does seem crazier. Co- more more coherent, coherent back then? Back then, yeah. More coherent back then, yeah. back then less yeah. crazy. I just want all you to know. I mean, who in the hell talks like that unless you've been doing snorting Adderall for the last six or seven years? Or but ten. Anyway, I digress. Or 14. Ten years. Ten. Oh, my God. I've only been doing it for four. I wouldn't know. Now, of course, of course, uh, during the campaign uh, and the debates in particular, he would sniff a lot, and there was a lot of allegations or suggestions, questions back then as to whether or not he was addicted to coke, uh, or whether it was just he had uh, a runny nose or a bleeding nose. Maybe he picks his nose too much. Uh, maybe he has <laughs> allergies. Uh, you know, who knows? So right. this. This actually makes a lot of sense. If this comic is true, Trump is addicted uh, to snorting Adderall. Now, the good news with that, though, Ray, is that snorting Adderall can result in an overdose. So, um, fingers fingers crossed. (laughs) No, but the other part of that is you probably don't snort that for 6 to 14 years and then just stop. And if he had gotten help... We probably would have found out about it by now. So if he did do it, according to this guy, there's a chance he might still be dabbling on um, on the stressful days, only yeah. on the stressful days. Yeah, and, and I mean, I'm sure there's not many of those when you're president, <laughs> uh, and and everything's falling down around you. Everyone's leaving. You're firing people. <laughs> and Saturday Night Live makes the entire show about you each and every week. Yeah, apparently he's uh, he's going to look into the legalities of that. I see this morning. Yeah, he, he's I saw not sure that, that's yeah. legal. Yeah. Gotta be illegal. It's got to be. Yeah. Talk, talking shit about the president. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Now, of course, if Donald Trump is in fact a drug addict, he's not your first president Ooh. who's addicted to drugs. Uh, famously, JFK was getting visits from uh, Doctor Feelgood, who was giving what? him. That was his name. You don't know about Doctor Feelgood? Oh, I you know the know basics. I know. From you know, from back from back pain when in his accident or the whatever in the PT boat, but yeah, I heard he was hopped up a lot. Yeah, Doctor Doctor Feelgood, um, obviously not his real name. His real name was uh, <laughs> oh, I'm getting Motley Crue. No, not, not Dick, Motley Crue. Dick Tickling. Dick <laughs> Doctor Dick Tickling. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he wasn't his name, Doctor Feelgood. He was uh, Max Jacobson. There you go. Okay. Max Jacobson uh, was a, a New York physician, Miracle Max or Dr. Feelgood. He administered amphetamines um, and other drugs to a whole list of high-profile individuals. He was like, ah, it's all good. He's actually he's actually a German, fled Berlin in 1936. Um, you know, probably had been uh, shooting up Hitler. Then he went to America and thought, you know, I'll shoot up the Americans now. Um 
This is a list of some of his clients. Uh, Lauren Bacall, Ingrid Bergman, Leonard Bernstein, Humphrey Bogart, Yul Brynner, Maria Callas, Truman Capote, uh, Montgomery Clift, Rosemary Clooney, Cecil B. DeMille, Marlena Dietrich, Eddie Fisher, Judy Garland, Hayley Lamar, uh, Mickey Mantle, Liza Minnelli. Liza Minnelli, he's doing her mother, Judy Garland, and her. He's like, hey, here's one for the kid while you're at it. Thelonious, Thelonious Monk, Marilyn Monroe, Elvis Presley, Anthony Quinn, Nelson Rockefeller, David O'Selznick, Elizabeth Taylor, Billy Wilder, Tennessee Williams, and most famously, John F. Kennedy. So, yeah, he, he would come in, um, you know, I think uh, every couple of days, uh, pop in, uh, give the president a shot, uh, fill, fill him up full of amphetamines, and uh, off he'd go. Thanks very much. I'll see you later. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks for the tour of the White House. Yeah. Um, until uh, one of his clients, uh, former presidential photographer Mark Shaw, died at the age of 47. Autopsy showed that uh, he had died of acute and chronic intravenous amphetamine poisoning. Um, and uh, the Bureau of Narcotics and Dangerous Drugs seized Dr. Feelgood's supply. His medical license was revoked in 1975. Damn. Yeah. Too late, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, How old was he then? He died. He was in his mid-70s. He died in 1979. Um, so there you go. So he won't be the first uh, president right. to be addicted to amphetamines, but, uh, you know. There, there's, there's, I know that, you know, as far as drugs go, there's no difference between getting a shot and snorting something. But it is a little tackier, I think, to snort something up the nose. And, of course, that's Donald Trump all over. Leave it to him to find the most whatever way of taking the drugs into your body. I'm surprised there's no one blowing it up his ass through a little tube, but you know, you do what you can. A little golden tube, yeah. <laughs> now, look, Donald Trump uh, was uh, obviously uh, in New York. He was Mr. New York in the 80s when cocaine was everywhere, as we've done on our now, now defunct War on Drug series. Um, cocaine was the celebrity drug of New York in the 70s and into the 80s. Donald Trump's heyday as a as a playboy, absolutely. Uh, uh, you have to believe that he did a shit ton of coke in yeah. those days. Um, and maybe he's just replaced the coke with Adderall. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway... Um, if he's doing a lot of coke, you'd think he'd be a lot skinnier. And still, if he's doing a lot of Adderall, you'd think he'd be a lot skinnier. But if, if I guess if you... Because it tends to amph- amphetamines tends to decrease your appetite, right? Um, right. Apparently, it, it it also helps you. I mean, the reason it's given to kids with ADD is it's supposed to help you concentrate. So maybe mm-hmm. he. I mean, he, he doesn't strike me as very uh, uh, bright. Um, you know, he's got a set of stock phrases that he just repeats over and over again. Apparently, he can't read very well, both according to this comic and other other stories, books that have come out with, with sources of people in the White House. Like, he doesn't read briefing documents. You have to give it to him in pictures. Um, he's a very sort of high-level guy. And apparently, he because he doesn't read very well, he gets stressed out when he has to read, like cue cards, which is why he snorts this stuff to try and help him concentrate so um anywho might explain a lot uh moving on moving on to christians all right 
You read this story? I did, and I was disgusted, and I don't know how I'm going to sleep tonight. Well, the same way you the same way you always do with one leg over your dog, um, <laughs> listening to quit hacking into my photos. Listening to nah. Anyway, um, Carly Ann Harris. Oh, this is a very sad story. So, British woman um, recently uh, drowned her four year old daughter in the bathtub, then mm-hmm. uh, took the corpse outside and set it on fire. And when she was uh, arrested, yeah. she said God uh, had told her to do it um, mm-hmm. because uh, he wanted her to prove her faith right. to God. Um, hmm. Couldn't she set herself on fire to prove her test? I mean, that's more of a test to me, but what do I know? He's never talked Mm. Mm. Well, I thought he did when he told you to do a podcast with me. Wasn't that wasn't that divinely inspired? Close. Mm. It was Satan, but still, it was a supernatural mm. um, being. Cut close. close. Now, of course, people who listen to our Renaissance show know that we um, we we talked a lot about the story where uh, God told Abraham. The story in the in Genesis twenty two in the Old Testament where. God told Abraham to uh, murder his only son, uh, I think Isaac. Word sacrifice. Yeah, um, murder him as a sacrifice uh, to prove again <laughs> his his loyalty. Um, and then at the last minute, as as Abraham had the knife at Isaac's throat, an angel appeared and said, "Dude, <laughs> you fucking crazy." I've told you a million times, listen, don't listen to anything God says before he has coffee in the morning. Like, he's just, he says some crazy shit. Listen, you have no idea how often we have to, oh, right, what, what, yeah, no, we'll really go get there, what, commit, you know, uh, genocide against all of these people. Oh, yeah, no worries, God, we're, we're right on it. You go, just throw this one in the shredder. He'll for- he's got he's got he's got Alzheimer's. He'll forget five minutes from now that he even oh. gave us that order. He's really old, God. He's got Alzheimer's. He's had Alzheimer's for like a million years, man. He forgets yeah. everything. Um. So that so so. Look, I'm not. I don't want to be insensitive here, but this is this is one of the problems with Christianity. And it's, uh, so for 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 many many years, for decades, in fact, in conversations with Christian friends. Most of whom, when I'm having a, a, you know, I like I like Christians in a way. Um, I, I like having conversations with Christians. I'm fascinated by religion. I'm fascinated by Christianity. I'm fascinated by otherwise intelligent slash sane looking people who b- believe in Christianity. I'm fascinated. But how does that work inside of your head? And they usually tell me that they have a relationship with God or with Jesus or both or the same or whatever. And that I say, well, how, what form will he, he speaks to me? Really? What form does that take? And they're usually a little bit sort of wishy-washy about that. Well, it's just a, it's a, it's a little s- small voice in my head or it's a feeling that I should do this or that or whatever. It's not like, oh, you know, he, he, he appears to me in the sky and talks to me in a big right. booming voice. Usually it's a little, little bit more subtle than that. But it's a so, British accent. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alan, Alan Rickman. Mon- 
Alan Rickman. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. I was thinking Monty Python, but that works just as well. All yeah. right. Ray. We should do a podcast with Cameron. I can't do it. I wish I could. If I, if I could do Alan Rickman, I wouldn't be here. Right? No. You'd be uh, sitting on a to- gold toilet. Uh, right. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Well, I'd be dead, really, if I was Alan Rickman. But uh, if I could do Alan Rickman's voice. Right. Anywho, uh, so in conversations with Christian friends over the decades, I've often asked, so what would you do if God told you to kill me? Would, you, would you obey your God? Right. And they usually tell me something like, well, he wouldn't, he wouldn't do something like that. And then I point out that, well, A, I'm a heathen and a blasphemer. So, yeah, yeah, I'm not in his good books. And B, according to the Bible, uh, the Old Testament, he's told plenty of his followers to kill uh, and, and kill women, children, livestock. Um, I remember having this conversation I, with a friend of mine who was a pastor in training. He was at seminary. Right. And he said, no, no, he's never done that. And I had to pull out, I had to, <laughs> I had to pull out the Bible verses for him and go, yeah, look, the, the, uh, yeah. the Amalekites, I think he told him to commit genocide against. Um, and so then usually they will say, well, Jesus changed all that. Um, we don't kill anymore after Jesus. God doesn't kill anymore after Jesus. But then I go, well, you know, according to, uh, Eusebius of, uh, Caesarea, the, f- for the father of church history, Jesus appeared in the sky with a whole fucking army and told, uh, the Emperor Constantine to kill tens of thousands of Romans and supported him, helped him do that with his magical army. And then, you know, the persecutions under Theodosius at the end of the fourth century and the Inquisition and the Crusades and the Catholics versus the Protestants. And, well, the yeah. list is endless. And we've been going into some of that recently on our Renaissance show. And they go, well, those people weren't real Christians. And then I ask what authority they have to determine who's a real Christian and who isn't. And then they usually remember that they left the kettle on and, and they, they have to leave in a hurry. So, you know, when people say to me, well, Christians are harmless, leave them alone, you know, they're not, they're not hurting anybody. I'm like, well, this woman just killed a four-year-old daughter. Because yeah. it's, and, and I'm, again, I'm not really being facetious. I mean, Christians do believe, I think, um, from what they've told me and what I've read, they believe that God and or Jesus talks to them in some form. And he does have a predilection for telling people to kill people. Um, So how do do Christians deal, how do they process a story like this one? So I posted this on Facebook yesterday and a number of Christian friends said, well, obviously she's suffering from a mental illness. I'm like, well, how do you know that how do you know god didn't really appear one of my friends josh um said well if god told me to kill i said if god told me to kill one of my children i would say no like really really you would say no to god you would uh, disobey your god i don't i find so what's the point of a god if you can just pick and choose uh (laughs) what to listen to when he says things that kind of god yeah yeah Yeah. So what do you think? think you, you you were raised uh, a Christian 
Ray, you, yeah. you, you live around Christians. You have Christian friends and family. Do you is it your understanding that they believe that God and or slash Jesus talks to them and tells them things? Um, the exper- and you're, you're talking. Um, excuse me, <clears throat> you're talking the deep south here. So the answer is yes. Southern uh, Southern Baptists. Christians, uh, yes, God definitely talks to them, and but they compartmentalize everything. God would never, never tell me to hurt another person or to kill my child to prove my. You know, they they would easily excuse that away, and and that's what bothers me about this woman. She didn't she didn't do it because of voices in her head. She didn't do it because she was trying to impress some guy who she figured out didn't like kids or whatever. No, God told her to do it. Or she, it was a test of faith. So uh, I, there's something certainly attached to what you were saying a minute ago. But the people that I was raised with and raised by um, definitely believe that God communicates with them. Um, and that is something very real to them. And when they hear stuff like that, they're, they're meet the story. They're like, ah, oh, no, that wasn't God. She's just crazy in the head. And they're pretty much dismissing everything she says because it's inconvenient or uncomfortable for them. So when you were a Christian, did God speak to you in your head? No. In fact, I remember, um, I'm not sure how much I'm going to tell you about this. I remember when I converted to Catholicism, I was, there's a ceremony, obviously, because Catholics have a ceremony for everything. But there was a ceremony, and I was up there with my sponsor, and I was up there with Father Kelly and a whole bunch of other priests. And I remember standing there, and and everybody in the congregation is applauding. And I just remember not feeling anything, no connection, no elation, no nothing. And I think at that very moment that I was officially becoming a Catholic, that's when I started questioning. So, no, it, it's just never happened for me. And, um, you know, I just started questioning from there. So I can never say that I had a, a talk with the big man. It just hasn't happened for me. What do you think is going on then when, when Christians say that he talks <clears throat> to them? What do you think they're ex- really experiencing I mean, you know, we've all, I mean, me personally, I mean, you've got that, you've got the voice in the back of your head, the expression that people use, you've got the, you've got the, uh, the gut reaction to something. I think people have ideas that they can't explain or feelings or thoughts pop into their head that they can't explain. And wouldn't it be great if it really was God talking to you? And if you already are a Christian or if you already believe, how could that not stroke your ego more than anything else? And so they're willing um, they're willingly uh, f- um, participating in this, and they're willing they're they're willingly purposefully pulling the wool over their own eyes. It's something that they want to believe, and so they're already halfway there. But it's just some other form of communication with the body, the brain, some emotions, or something based on a past experience. It's not God, but why wouldn't you tell yourself that? Because it feels it. I imagine it feels great. So do you think it's a form of mental illness, as people have suggested on Facebook? And these are Christians that are telling me that people who think God is talking to them in their head suffer from a mental illness. Um, I'm not sure I agree with that. Do you see it as yeah, a mental illness? I, no, I think that's going too far. I, I think it's um, a lack of understanding of what's whatever communication goes on within the body, within the brain. I don't think it's a mental illness. I think they're purposefully fooling themselves. And I think if you really, 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 really found a way to put it to the test, like you take a gun and 
you know, you put it to their child's head and you get some way to test them. I know that sounds crazy. I think they would back off. I don't think it's, a, I know that's a bad example, but I, if there was some way to ultimately test somebody's faith, um, they would not believe it. I, I don't think it's a mental illness. I just think they're going along because it's a sense of community. It's a sense of um, being special. God is talking to you. How would you not want that? Yeah, you know, as you say, we all, I mean, the way our brains work is uh, thoughts uh, appear as a result of electrochemical interactions between neurons, uh, and those those um, appear to us in various ways. One of those is, is voices we somehow hear in our head. But then again, <clears throat> all voices, all sound appears in our head. Uh, yeah. we, you don't hear anything with your ears. Toes. Yeah. What was that? Or your toes. No, when you hear something, it is in your head, absolutely. So, but it gets misconstrued. Right. I mean, we we, we think, well, uh, uh, where did that voice? I you know, I didn't hear that with my ears. But you don't hear anything with your ears. You don't see anything with your eyes. You don't hear anything with your ears. Sound waves uh, make the little hairs inside your ear vibrate. Those vibrations are sent down to the eardrum. The eardrum converts that into an electric signal. The electric signal goes through to the, I think it's Broca's part of your brain, Broca's area from memory, um, which then converts those electrical signals into a sound inside of your head. Um, so you never hear anything with your ears. You always hear with your with your brain. And so these voices in your head, most of, well, not most of us, some of us, those voices in the head, we go, well, that's just my brain. That's 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 what, how my brain works, right? Those little voices right. in to say, hey, eat another one of those chocolate chip cookies that Chrissy made last night. Doesn't matter if you get fat. <laughs> Fuck it. Brando, good enough for Brando, good enough for you. Just eat them. Eat as many as you want, okay? So that, that's, I, don't, I don't go, oh, my God, God's speaking to me and telling me to eat the chocolate yeah. chip cookies. I go, it's just my head. That would be great. People with, schizo Any people with schizophrenia yeah. um, believe that those voices are other people uh, right. speaking in their heads, uh, other other personalities or, or the CIA is beaming uh, messages into their head or it's or it's oh, aliens it and lizard people or, or whatever it is right, right. so um, and then then religious believers uh, believe apparently that that is their God I've always, I've always always said to them too how do you know it's God and not Satan yeah well because because it, it, it sounds like God you go really what does what, what <laughs> Satan sound like does he talk like this I mean Seriously, how do you know? And if yeah. Satan wanted to trick you into do something, wouldn't he pretend to be God? He goes, they say, uh, well, well, he says it's God. Yeah, but wouldn't Satan yeah. do that? Isn't he the great trickster? They're like, well, oh, shit, I'm I, I've, I've got a hair yeah. appointment. I forgot I, I have to, <laughs> I have to no, go. No, I mean, I'm sure it's, the first thing Satan would do would go out and get a voice modulation app for his iPhone. The point is, yeah, he would come in tricking you. that He wouldn't use his patented, um, universally recognized voice to give you a message as God. <laughs> he's got this shit figured out. He's the devil. He knows yeah. what he's doing. Or he hires, he hires <laughs> impersonators. Yeah, you know, he's he, he can get him, him the greatest impersonators to can get Jim Carrey he anyone. Got Alan Rickman. Alan yeah, yeah he yeah. got Alan Rickman. He's got <laughs> he can hire anyone. Yeah. He's, he's got the bling. Anyway, he's got a black credit card. Yeah. So, oh, I, if you're a Christian no, I, and you're listening to this and you think you can explain this to me, please shoot me an email and explain yeah. it to me. 
we will not be mean or condescending. We'd really like to hear someone. I'm not. To, yeah, I'm not trying to be no, condescending. No, right I'm not now. trying to make yeah. fun. I mean, I've been fascinated by this whole thing for decades. When people say God speaks to me, like what? How? How? And you know what would you? So, like uh, my friend Josh on Facebook said, well, you know, if he, if he, if I just heard a voice in my head and he said, you know, kill kill your child, I wouldn't listen. I'd say no. I said, but what if God appeared to you in front of you in a vision and said, listen, you have to kill your kid um, or you'll go to hell for all eternity. Would you say no? Fuck off, God. Fuck you. I mean, that. I mean, really? Uh, you can't ask why because it's God. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a part of my master plan. Hmm. No, I, I just I just saw this on the news today. I'll just do this real quick. There was a, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a young man who was a freshman in college in Michigan, straight A student, played on the football team, really nice. He killed himself. Obviously, there was something going on that no one knew about it, whether it was depression, mental anguish, bullying. I don't know what. So he kills himself. So his parents are having and this just came out, I think, in the news today or yesterday. Um so the parents meet with the Catholic priest because they're Catholic and they say, okay, you, you didn't know our son because he went off to, to university. Uh, so you didn't know him and you're new here. But this is kind of what we want said during the homily of the funeral or the service or whatever it is. And so the, the priest says, okay. So they get everybody together. There's a couple hundred people. And the priest it completely ignores what they wanted the parents to say. And he goes off and he pretty much says, as this child has committed suicide, and he said the word suicide at least six times, according to the parents, I can't really tell you that he's going to heaven. Maybe God will forgive him. Maybe he asked for forgiveness right before he did it. But I pretty much can't guarantee that he's going to heaven. So the father's like outraged. So the father wakes up, walks up to the priest, literally as, he, as he's in the middle of his homily. And uh, the father's like, I want you to stop now. I want this whole thing shut down. And the priest ignores him, keeps on talking. Then when he finishes, he cues the music so no one else can talk. And that's when the funeral director got up and you know, he pretty much closed the, the thing where you're playing the piano so no one could play. So so. Finally, there's silence. The parents go, I, I don't know any, anything about what this priest was saying because that's not what we wanted to, to, to have said today. And so they gave a really nice um, talk about their son. And um, so the church, so obviously the parents complained to the church and the church is like, look, okay, look, we're, we're really sorry about this. I think he was just trying to put in a little bit of teaching during the homily. He went too far. Um, we're going to get him some counseling and he won't be allowed to do funerals anymore and the parents go like no 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 we want him removed he's like well we really don't do that but we promise we'll get him some counseling and he won't be allowed to do funerals and that was as far as the catholic church in michigan was willing to go and for me it was just pretty much like the child molestation all over look we're going to get you some counseling but we're not going to kick him out and um you're going to get an apology for most of that but 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 what he was saying is catholic canon they can't kick him out. He was yeah. doing his job. That's well, I mean, right. as, as opposed to raping little children, what, which which is which they, isn't which isn't technically part of a priest's job. It's just encouraged. One of the perks. Yeah, um, that's his. Like suicide is a sin. Yeah. He's he's telling Absolutely. the truth. And if, if sorry, if, yeah. if 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 you don't fucking like that, don't invite a Catholic priest to do the fucking <laughs> funeral of a kid who committed suicide. That's. That you're a Catholic, you signed up to be a Catholic. That's part of being a Catholic. Yeah, no, I, I totally, I agree, I get that, but I think what, um, what the bishop, I think it was a bishop, what he was trying to say was like, look, we realize we failed you in the customer service aspect 
of this homily. I get that he didn't because they because the parents met with the priest and they spent an hour or two going over what they want said because he was a good boy and he volunteered. Priest ignored all that. So the so the so the I'm just trying to picture this bishop going, look, we, we failed you on the customer service aspect of our show. We're really sorry. But like you said, he was speaking, you know, the teachings of the church. He just should have left that out and went through the motions of a homily. So there's a big ruckus going on in Michigan right now. And I, I don't know if it's going to court, but I just saw that today. And I'm just like, God damn, just can't you just give these parents, these grieving parents, what they want? No, he's, he's, he can't. <laughs> His job is to tell it like it is. You know, remember when we, when we were doing the Renaissance show and we were talking about uh, St. Augustine after the sacking of Rome by the Goths, And there were women who chose to commit suicide rather than be raped and tortured. And St. Augustine in, um, what's his fucking, uh, the the, the city of God? No, the city of of God. Um, He said that they would go to hell. The the women who chose to commit suicide rather than be raped and tortured and probably murdered would be going to hell because it's not up to them to commit suicide they should have let themselves be raped and tortured and murdered then their rapee and murderer would go to hell and they would go to heaven because they let themselves be raped and and brutally tortured and murdered in front of their children and husbands and the ones that were raped remember he said why they might have been raped yeah because they were too haughty they were uh too proud particularly the ones that were virgins they were too they proud. Yeah, they had it coming. God had decided they were too proud. Who they needed you think you are? needed to be cut down uh, a few notches. Oh my God! They were being tonight. being too yeah. Christiany. Wow. Anyway, moving moving on. Moving um, on. Moving on. <laughs> um, I want to skip down to. I want to talk about the Guardian. Okay. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now the Guardian, fairly respectable uh, paper, British. Um, right. I think it's uh, funded by a grant uh, somebody made. Um, you know, it's it's not your your typical commercial media outlet. Uh-huh. It, it's okay. it's it's supposedly a little bit more judicious. Um, you know, than than uh, a lot of your commercial papers are. Um, it, it was a trust, uh, the Scott Trust, that was created in 1936 to secure the financial and editorial independence of the Guardian in perpetuity and to safeguard the journalistic freedom and liberal values of the Guardian free from commercial or political interference, which, quite frankly, is all I want. All I want is someone to set up a trust to enable yep. us to make podcasts free of commercial <laughs> yeah. or political interference. That's, is that too much to ask? Yes. Um, It is? Oh, fuck. All right. Um, Now, uh, so, you know, relatively uh, speaking, uh, probably one of the the, the more trustworthy of the the major mastheads. However, when it comes to Julian Assange, Uh the Guardian have got a bee in their bonnet. Now, um, recently, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Guardian ran a big story claiming that Paul Manafort, 
right. former head of the uh, Trump uh, campaign, uh, now in jail or going to jail or one of those. <laughs> right. uh, 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 part of the whole Mueller investigation. Lots of, lots of, he's in a lot of trouble, Paul Manafort. Yeah. They claimed that Paul Manafort had visited Julian Assange in the Ecuadorian embassy in London, where he's been locked up, hold up, locked up, whichever way you want to look at it, for, I think, six-plus years now. Damn. Mm. That he met with him several times. I think they're they're saying three or four occasions in the lead-up to the 2016 election. Right. Now, if this is true, the ramifications are significant. It, it mm-hmm. means that, or it suggests anyway, that Assange was in cahoots with Manafort, who had deep connections into Russia, and the Trump campaign. And, of course, famously, uh, uh, in the latter stages of the campaign, Assange released uh, the, the emails and the DNC emails from the hack or leak, depending on who you believe, and that supposedly had a negative impact on Hillary Clinton's campaign and helped Trump win. Um, the problem is that this story is very fishy. Um, they claim that an, an anonymous source showed them an internal document written by Ecuador's intelligence agency, Senain. Right, which listed Manafort as one uh, one of several well-known guests who visited Assange. It also mentions Russians visited mm. him, but doesn't be. doesn't specify which Russians, who, <laughs> just Russians. Russians went there to visit him. Who who were who was the uh, enemy of Rocky and Bullwinkle? The short guy and the tall woman. It might have been them, but um, I can't remember their names. George Costanza is all I remember. <laughs> Never seen it. I just seen a poster. George Costanza was Jason Alexander, wasn't? I guess. Mm. Yeah. So, so, so if it's Paul Manafort who's tied to Russia and Trump and the Russians, that's a hell of a n- nice, nifty, already tied up package for somebody who hates Trump and or. Um, Assange, if it's all true. Yes. Now, they ran this story. Uh, of course, it got picked up and and uh, um, copied or picked up and reported on by all the major mm-hmm. uh, and minor media outlets around the world. But again, The Guardian provided zero evidence to back this up. Anonymous Ooh. sources from uh, an intelligence yeah. agency in Ecuador. Not now. First point I want to make here is that yeah. Sinane, the National Intelligence Secretariat of Ecuador, was shut down in March of 2018 by their new president, Lenin Moreno, right. um, for some reason. He decided to shut down their intelligence agency. Wow. Okay. So uh, the Guardian is using information from a non-existent intelligence agency provided to them by an internal source. Possibly discredited um, and realized by its own leader, but who knows? Yes, shut down by its own government. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, the other other 
issue here, and I'll get into, is The Guardian has a long-running feud with Julian Assange, and I'll explain the background behind that in a minute. But my, I guess the point of all this is you can't believe anything you read in the media. Now, I'm not saying that the, I'm not saying the report's not true, not correct, but it sounds fishy, and I'll get into why. And it's just disappointing to see The Guardian running bullshitty stories like this. Just so people know, I don't just criticise the New York Times or the Washington Post. This is, a, this is supposedly a bit of a lefty paper, the Guardian, mm-hmm. um, but you can see that even lefty papers uh, mo- can can run bullshit stories. Now, and Assange, by the way, or WikiLeaks, Wiki, Assange can't. I don't know if, if everyone knows this, but Assange's access to the world was cut off by right. the um, new Ecuadorian government. The the for most of the six odd years Assange has been in the Ecuadorian embassy, um, Ecuador had a left leaning government under a guy called Rafael Correo. He lost mm-hmm. an election, uh, I think it was earlier this year, um, and Lena Moreno, uh, sorry, it was 2017, he became president. Um, he became uh, the, the, the president. And um, they kind of uh, he just cut cut Assange's internet right. access off. Ooh. Uh, earlier this year, six seven months ago, um, cut off all of his internet access because because Assange was posting stories, uh, I think on Twitter and via WikiLeaks that was upsetting uh, some of Ecuador's allies, mostly the Americans. Um, mm-hmm. And so they said, "Well, fuck it, that's it. You, you've breached the terms of your." Um, Asylum, and right. uh, we're not going to give you internet access again. But anyway, WikiLeaks, on behalf of Assange, has denied mm-hmm. that these Manafort meetings ever happened, and they've offered a million dollars if the Guardian can prove the meetings happened. <laughs> Shit. Manafort also, Manafort yeah. also denies it, but Manafort's a, you know, well-established as a liar and a criminal, so <laughs> that, that kind of count. means little. Yeah. But here's the thing about uh, the proof. Now, the embassies, of course, have got very tight security. All embassies do. This particular embassy has a shit ton of security because Julian <laughs> Assange is in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And not just inside the embassy. There are, there are cameras everywhere, obviously. But outside the embassy, the street, the block... Uh, there's, there's photos of these cameras on the building, pointing towards the building. The British government, obviously, uh, very concerned to make sure that Assange doesn't get snuck out in the middle of the night. Um, ah. So there's there's a shit ton of cameras and pointing. It's a bit like when Khashoggi, uh, right. you know, was killed and there was video uh, or photos of, of guys going into that embassy, the Saudi embassy in, in Turkey, uh, his assassins, and and um, then coming back out with body bags. Um, yeah. uh, this thing is covered in cameras, so there should be evidence mm-hmm. of Manafort going in if it'll happen. So WikiLeaks have offered a million dollars. Don't think they don't think they have a million dollars, but they've. I was going to say they've offered a million dollars if they can prove it. They've also said they want the head of the editor of the Guardian if they can't prove it. They want him beheaded. Nice. Yeah. Um, wow. Now, uh, the, the the embassy also, of course, keeps a log of mm-hmm. all of its embassy's visitors. You don't just let people into an embassy without right. logging who they are, particularly if they're meeting with Assange. Um, now, the Guardian actually has got copies of the logs 
of the log of all the visitors at the right. Ecuadorian embassy. They've had that since earlier this year. Don't know how they got that, but there's no mention of Manafort in the logs. And apparently the anonymous source from the now defunct intelligence agency from Ecuador said, oh, yeah, his visits weren't logged. Oh. Why wouldn't the, his yeah. visits have been logged? Ah, somebody was getting coffee every time he visited. He slipped me $5. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, the Equatorian government at the time was was left-wing, as I said. Manafort, obviously known to be right-wing. There's no way they're going to do favours for a guy like Paul <laughs> Manafort. Oh, he's all right. right. He's all right. Let him in. Um, now, Luke Harding, one of the journalists who wrote this, um, and The Guardian in general have been having a public war, as I said, with Assange for years. Luke Harding wrote a very critical book about WikiLeaks and Assange a few years ago that got turned into a movie with um, oh, yeah. Bene, Bene, Benedict Cumberbatch Cumberbun, um, playing yeah. Assange, which I haven't, right. which I haven't seen, but I believe WikiLeaks and Assange weren't happy about it. They said it was uh, 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 mean spirited or something, um, uh, fake. Uh, and I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not saying it was or it wasn't. I don't know. Haven't read the book. Haven't seen the film. And I know Assange. Look, I, I know Assange's personality. He's, he's he's kind of a bit of a strange character. Um, even leaving aside the supposed now uh, uh, dropped rape allegations in Sweden, he's he's a, he's a bit of a you know a bit of a strange character, Julian. But mm-hmm. I you know I divorce his personality from the work that WikiLeaks does. Like I think Woody Allen's probably a bit of a strange guy as well but i love his films right i don't go well i'm not right. going to watch manhattan anymore because you know he's he married his uh adopted daughter i mean that's you know creepy yeah. yes uh <laughs> mean that his work is not great no he's a great director um right. any who this this problem with the guardian goes back to six seven maybe seven years ago when wikileaks was releasing the uh, cables, um, the, mm-hmm. the the American diplomatic cables, they had a deal with a number of media outlets about reporting on them. We will give you the cables, but you have to release them in a certain way, in a certain timing, and it all has to be coordinated. Um, and the Guardian agreed to that. But then, in, in Assange's view anyway, they betrayed that deal. One of his disgruntled former uh, employees or volunteers at WikiLeaks leaked a copy of uh, the cables to The Guardian, and The Guardian said, oh, well, fuck our deal with Assange now. We've got them. We'll give them to all the other media outlets. We'll release them as and when we see fit. Um, Assange was pissed. They said, fuck you. There was a war of words, and they've been after him ever since. They were a partner of WikiLeaks up until that point. Then they decided to attack him, and they've attacked him mercilessly since then. They've had to retract at least one uh, previous article that I think the same journalist, Luke Harding, wrote that was found to be uh, false, fake news. They Damn. reported a thing, they had a uh, negative article about Assange, they had to retract it. Mm-hmm. Now, also, with this particular story, according to Assange, the Guardian emailed his lawyer, uh, because they can't email him because he's been cut off from the world, they emailed his lawyer asking for comment on the allegations only hours before the story was published, but oh, the lawyer um, provided them with a denial at the time, which they didn't include in the original version of their article. 
Now, several hours after WikiLeaks wagered a million dollars that the story was a fraud, The Guardian made edits to the original story and there are sites out there that that, uh, monitor these sorts of things and um, the WikiLeaks posted this on Twitter. The original version of the story, they edited it slightly (laughs) to sort of distance themselves from it a little bit. So the headline in the original version was um, Manafort held secret talks with Assange and Ecuadorian embassy. Mm Mm-hmm. Then they edited it a few hours later to Manafort held secret talks with Assange and Ecuadorian embassy. Sources say. <laughs> so not Pretty a fucking spineless. Not a statement yeah. of fact like the first one. Just it happened, but oh, we've heard maybe that Someone's- it happened according to someone. <laughs> and they went through and edited the story in little subtle ways, like according to sources and this kind of stuff. So they started to Jeez. distance themselves from it a little bit. Now, um, Assange has instructed his lawyers to sue the Guardian for libel over this, apparently. Um, According to a former consul to Ecuador, Fidel Narvaez, he said Mm -hmm. that uh, the story is uh, entirely false, that Manafort met with WikiLeaks. Um, Now, the other interesting thing here is the print edition of this story that came out after the online version uh, revealed that a third author to the article, along with the two journalists, was a guy called Fernando Villavicencio. Mm -hmm. Okay. Exotic, exotic sounding name. Does it tell you anything more about him in the paper? No. It's just, you know, it's just... (laughs) Fernando, that's all. Can you hear the drums, Fernando? Can you hear the drums? I don't know. Maybe he can, maybe he can't. These questions, Abba never really answered. But right, Villa Vicencio, when you drill down into his background, is a right-wing Ecuadorian journalist who's ah. been exposed repeatedly in the past for fabricating documents. <laughs> Not lying, but creating fake sources, fake documents. In May, he fabricated a meeting between Nigel Farage and Assange, um, <laughs> which uh, the story had to be retracted. Um, and he's been on the run. He was up on uh, charges, uh, libel charges in... Um, in Ecuador, uh, rather than face up to court, he went to run. He sought asylum himself in Peru. Um, he's been at war with the Ecuadorian government um, for uh, quite a while under the previous uh, president, Correo. So, and this um, is one of their writers. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so he is uh, contributed to this article, even though he's g- completely discredited as a source. So mm-hmm. I assume he's somehow involved in providing them with this uh, anonymous source who's from the now defunct intelligence agency that has this dodgy claim that can't be backed up. And, oh, they just didn't enter his name into the logs when he visited. <laughs> right. Um, so there's been a lot of, uh, uh, like, it's not just me criticising this and the, and the Intercept. Glenn, Glenn Greenwald of The Intercept's done a whole big piece on this, but a number of um, 
media uh, uh, publications uh, around the world have started to ask questions mm-hmm. about this. It sounds very fishy, Politico and some of these other yeah. sites are going, yeah, this story smells a bit fishy. So, yeah, that's, that's uh, you know, that sort of besmirches yeah. the uh, reputation of The Guardian when they do this kind of stuff. Absolutely. And and just sticking with the bullshit filter theme for a second, normally when papers put out propaganda or fake news or news that has been spun, they normally do a lot better job of covering their tracks. I think maybe, and I don't know anything about The Guardian, but it almost sounds like their personal feelings got involved in, in clouded their normally they would probably do a better job of attacking someone, but making it look like a real story. It looks like they fucked up on several different instances here and they should be, you know, chastised by their, by their peers. Look, I think anonymous sources are a bad idea uh, uh, in the first place. Generally speaking, you don't want to run with anonymous sources unless you have very, very, very good reasons why you need to protect the sources. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, it's, it's, it's not, ideal for major stories to be put out there um, with an anonymous source. But um, particularly when these people have a long-running beef with Assange, you would think they would be extra careful to Uh, make sure that anything critical they put out there, particularly something of this significance, saying that he had a long-running relationship with Paul Manafort, they would be very careful about dotting their I's and crossing their T's before they put this out. In this particular case, they haven't done that, so we'll see what happens. With that, um, in upcoming weeks and months. Yeah, if not years, let's be honest. But but I'm glad that Assange is fighting back because people like that, when they do make a mistake across the line, they have to be taught a lesson, and that's normally by finding them or embarrassing them in court, but that's what you have to do to get people to change their, their behavior. Uh, and, well, and let's not assume necessarily that The Guardian is at fault here. Maybe the story uh, can be verified, but um, the point is to run the story with this right. little uh, supporting evidence, particularly uh, when it's when they've got a long-running beef with this guy, and this particular journalist yeah. has a long-running beef. It's a failure, I think, on behalf of the editor and the publishers. They should have gone, nah, sorry, look, you've got a, you've yeah. got a long-running beef here. We're going to need more before we can run yeah. with this. Back it up Names. somehow. Get get right. get get footage from the you know, I don't yeah. know the British government. The British government obviously are happy to um, uh, right. uh, attack Assange too, even though yeah. they've recently said, um, like uh, in the last couple of weeks, he can be re- if if he's released or if he leaves the embassy, they won't um, extradite him to wow. another country, which has always been his fear that if he left, he, he would get extradited to the US and end up in Gitmo as punishment for, you know, the releasing the collateral damage video of the, for people who don't remember, uh, of an American uh, helicopter shooting civilians. Um, yeah. And uh, then the cables and all, and the DNC emails, all the other stuff that the Americans hate him for. Um. He's worried he's just, he'll be thrown into Gitmo. Um, they've said they won't extradite him, but they will make him serve some time in prison for um, absconding uh, when he was on uh, the bail conditions, when he was originally arrested and he was supposed to go to uh, Sweden for the rape uh, charges. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so anyway, they've said he can leave. They won't extradite him, but he's choosing not to for the time being, even though apparently his health is really suffering. Imagine being, he hasn't left this building even once for six years. I can't imagine what that would be like. Hmm. I sometimes feel like I haven't left this desk and microphone for the last <laughs> five years. That's um, what it feels like. Because you haven't. Anyway, that's the news for this week, Ray. Yeah. Um, people have been asking what's going to happen now that we're shutting down the uh, Bullshit Filter uh, ongoing series. Uh, what's mm-hmm. going to happen with the news? We're going to keep doing the news, I think, for the time being. Um, yeah. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but, uh, yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll let you know if that changes. All right. Right. Whoops. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth!